What would our founding fathers say? If they could be resurrected to this life for a brief period of time and could look around and survey the situation here in the United States of America, the country that they helped to establish, what do you think their reaction would be? Well, unfortunately, we can't know the answer to that question with absolute certitude. We can't know beyond a shadow of a doubt exactly what they would say in the face of contemporary American culture. But we can certainly venture a guess. Based on the things that they did say and did write more than 200 years ago. For example, here's a great quote from John Adams, the second president of our country. He wrote, Our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. Based on that remark, I think President Adams would say to us, the Constitution is failing you right now in the United States because you have allowed yourselves to become another kind of people. The Constitution was made for a moral and religious people, but to a great extent, your culture right now is no longer moral or religious. Here's one from Benjamin Rush, one of the signers of the Declaration of Independence. He wrote, The only foundation for a useful education in a republic is to be laid in religion. Without this, there can be no virtue. And without virtue, there can be no liberty. And liberty is the object and life of all republican governments. Without religion, I believe that learning does real mischief to the morals and principles of mankind. That's a great quote. Based on that, I think Mr. Rush would say to us today, have you noticed there's a lot of mischief in your society right now? Mischief that is often sanctioned and promoted by some of your most highly educated anti-religious citizens. Mr. Rush would say to us, I think, that is not a coincidence. Here's one from John Jay. John Jay was the very first Chief Justice of the United States Supreme Court. He said, the Bible is the best of all books. For it is the word of God and teaches us the way to be happy in this world and in the next. Continue, therefore, to read it and to regulate your life by its precepts. Can you imagine how Chief Justice Jay would respond to the current attempt to remove all references to God from the public life of our nation? And that effort is largely being undertaken in and through the courts, even the Supreme Court. Can you imagine how he'd respond? He'd probably say, that's the biggest mistake you could possibly make, America. 
And finally, there are these two quotes from George Washington. You all know who he was. He said, religion and morality are the essential pillars of a civil society. And secondly, it is impossible to rightly govern a nation without God and the Bible. In 2009, George would probably say, 200 years ago I told you it was impossible to govern properly without reference to the Lord and the Scriptures. But you obviously did not believe me. Good luck trying to do it some other way. Because you're going to need it. I think all of these founding fathers would highly approve of the three scripture readings God has given us on this Independence Day weekend. They would find them most appropriate, given the current state of affairs here in the United States. For example, you could very easily make the case that our country right now is on the verge of a kind of internal collapse. The economic crisis is just the symptom of the problem. It goes much deeper. Just like the kingdom of Judah was on the verge of collapse for its infidelity at the time of Ezekiel the prophet. As we heard in today's first reading, they were a rebellious house. And when you think of all the prophetic people that God has sent to us Americans in recent decades, calling us to reform, calling us to turn away from our materialism and our hedonism and all the manifestations of the culture of death. People like Pope John Paul II, who was here on these shores a number of times, Pope Benedict XVI, Mother Teresa of Calcutta, and a host of lesser voices. When you think of all these prophetic souls and how they have been and continue to be ridiculed for what they said to us, in the secular media, in the universities of this country, in pop culture. When you think of all that, I at least can't help but think of the way Jesus Christ was treated by the people of his hometown of Nazareth 2,000 years ago. As we heard in today's Gospel reading, they took offense at him. They tuned him out. Maybe like some of you are tuning me out right now. <laughs> I hope not. But it still does happen when the word of God is preached. And they refused to believe his message because they thought he was too ordinary. They said, who is this guy? We knew him when he was a boy. He's the carpenter's kid. He's a nobody. Why should we listen to him? Notice, my brothers and sisters, there were consequences to that attitude. There were consequences to that disbelief. St. Mark tells us that because of their lack of faith, precisely because of their lack of faith, Jesus was not able to do for the people of his own hometown, whom he had to love deeply, he was not able to do for them what he wanted to do for them. The evangelist wrote, he was not able to perform any mighty deed there apart from curing a few sick people by laying hands on them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. And I'm sure it took a lot to amaze the Son of God. 
The people of Nazareth couldn't have it both ways. And neither can we, as citizens of this great nation. We say we want God's blessings in abundance. I say that. We should say that. Well, if we do, blessings like peace, blessings like true justice, if we want those blessings, we need to take Him and His Word seriously. It's that simple. That's the way it always has been. That's the way it always will be. Chief Justice John Jay understood that well 200 years ago, as is evidenced in that quote I just read to you a few moments ago. As did most of our other founding fathers. They understood this. We need to relearn it in our generation if we're going to survive. Now, thankfully, God also gave us that beautiful second reading where he promises us sufficient grace to deal with whatever will come in the future for our country, good or bad. We can take some consolation in this, that the Lord will be there to help those who are faithful to him no matter what happens. His words to St. Paul in this text from 2 Corinthians 12 are spoken to each of us individually. My grace is sufficient for you, for in your weakness my power reaches perfection. In the meantime, if we love our country, and I hope we do, we should do a few things. Number one, we should pray every day for the conversion of more of our citizens. Why? Because good Christians, good Christians, make the best citizens. At least that's what I believe. We should also work for positive change in our nation as best we can by promoting virtue and actively opposing vice. And notice the word I use, actively. A lot of Christians oppose vice. That's great. But they don't do it actively. They sit back and expect other people to do it. I often wonder, why don't more Catholics write letters to the Westerly Sun? Because unfortunately, on that page where the letters to the editor are, there's a lot of vice promoted. And we need to respond. Are the few of us who do it the only ones capable? I don't think so. If we don't stop it, it will continue to spread. And we should resolve in the future, in our future elections, to support only those men and women who actually believe the principles that our founding fathers believed in. Starting with the right to life, which is enshrined in our Declaration of Independence. I will close my homily this morning with a prayer. I think that's the best way I can end today. It's a prayer for our nation that I recently came across online. I think it's a very good prayer, a powerful prayer. As I pray these words out loud, I invite you to join me in praying them silently in your own hearts. God, our Father, giver of life, we entrust the United States of America to your loving care. You are the rock upon which this nation was founded. You alone are the true source of our cherished rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. 
Reclaim this land for your glory and dwell among your people. Send your spirit to touch the hearts of our nation's leaders. Open their minds to the great worth of human life and the responsibilities that accompany human freedom. Remind your people that true happiness is rooted in seeking and in doing your will. And through the intercession of Mary Immaculate, patroness of our land, grant us the courage to reject the culture of death and lead us into a new era of life. We ask all this through Christ our Lord. Amen.